Hello and welcome to Devoted Devotions. I greet you all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Amen. I hope and pray that he is your Lord and your Savior as well. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about where the battle is won. I think it's important for us to pray before we begin. So let us bow our heads and close our eyes as we approach the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the God who speaks this universe into existence, the God who made everything and outside of him is nothing made. Father, we submit to your majesty, to your glory and to your power. We thank you for your eternal sacrifice, the once for all that was paid on the cross of Calvary. That was paid by you. Oh, we pray that we may not neglect this gift. We pray that we may not take it lightly. I pray for each and every single person who is listening to this episode. Father, may you touch their hearts and their lives in an amazing way. Let them hear from you once again and let them live for you once again. Restore the joy of your salvation in their hearts, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. I want to give a disclaimer that from here on out, these episodes are no longer going to be about milk. We're getting to the meat now. Um, I am being called away from, from sharing milk. And what that means is I'm not really going to be teaching anymore, but I'm going to be sharing the word. Um, so yeah, you're going to have to do your own um, homework. I will give you some of the references um, with certain instances, but for those of you who are familiar with the words of God, you will realize and re recognize and pick up um, certain phrases and sentences. So yeah, I'm not going to cite everything um, from here on out. Please do understand um, that we need to obviously level up. <laughs> Um, I do want to begin by saying that we really serve a God who is ever so faithful, a God who keeps his promises. Um, this is important because with the people that we talk to and we engage with every single day, a lot of them are not honest, you know, um, I for one have a very tough time with like trusting what people say. As a side effect of being lied to so much, you you tend to just assume that everything that people um, try to tell you is just a lie. Or when people commit to doing things and they end up not doing them, you just assume that whenever someone does actually make a commitment that they are serious about, you think that they are lying. And so... I just wanted to 
to bring that to our attention at this moment, that the God that we serve or the God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, is not a man. He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. And this God tells us in his word that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And again, this is sometimes this concept is very foreign to us because people leave and people forsake us. And even if they don't really, whether they choose to or not, you know, people that you rely on, they can betray you. Or even if they don't betray you, they can die and they're not there anymore. But the only thing that remains constant is that God is there. He's the great I am. I saw um, a testimony from one of um, the women of faith that I um, seek guidance from every now and then. She was testifying of um, God's present presentness <laughs> i don't think that's a word but i'm going to make it a word right now his presentness she was saying that god is the great i am he is not the i was or he is, and he is not the i will be he is the great i am and she was saying that whenever she tried to to hang on to her past she did not feel God's presence because God is not I was. God wasn't there. And whenever she tried to stress about the future, she wouldn't feel God's presence. It would give her like crippling anxiety and all of that because God didn't say he will be. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I had to accept God in the moment that I am in at that moment. He is the great I am. And I'm here to tell you today that the great I am has assured us that when we approach him in prayer, that we can even do even greater works than the son of God, than Jesus himself. And I know when we hear this, we think, oh my gosh, there is absolutely no way I could heal um, a crippled person or you know a blind person i could never do half the things that jesus did and i want to say yes you can't do half the things that jesus did because that's what you're thinking you're thinking that you have to do it when it's not you that is doing it it's god he's the one with the power he's the one with the glory He's the one with the majesty. And we don't tell him what he needs to do. We don't tell him who he needs to heal or how he should go about fixing, you know, a problem that we have or whatever, whatever the case may be. We have to listen. And I think that was one of the the subtle lessons that Jesus was trying to teach us. 
And I don't think we get it. Jesus wasn't walking around um, intending, um, you know, with a schedule. Today, I'm going to heal Zacchaeus. I'm going to raise up someone from the dead. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He didn't have a schedule. But he would go to places and he would see where God is moving and he would join him. You know, the account of Zacchaeus says that Jesus wasn't even planning to stay there. He was going past, right? And as he's going past, he looks up and he sees this man in a tree. I can't imagine what was going through his mind. Like this man literally climbed all the way up a tree just to see me. And knowing that he wasn't seeing him as in Jesus in the flesh, but wanted to get a glimpse of the father. Because remember, if you have seen the son, you have seen the father. If you know the father, you know the son, you know. And when he saw that act of faith, he said, oh, this is where I need to be. Come down because I'm coming to your house. I'm trying to say that there is no blueprint to this. But God reveals it to you. You just have to have the eyes to see where he is working and where he's calling you to be. And so it's important to pray for discernment. It's important to pray for these eyes to see and these ears to hear. More importantly, I want to remind us about how important it is to pray. <laughs> Sorry, my beads are going <laughs> off again. You know, I'm going to share a personal anecdote. I don't really like sharing um, a lot of my personal things because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about the Father. But for some reason, <laughs> I'm being led to share this personal experience. It's not really my testimony, but... Um, I was there to witness it, so I am going to share it as from my perspective. There was a Sabbath where we were commissioned to hike up this mountain. And halfway up this mountain, there is a cross. And it became apparent that we would be walking up to the cross. And it was almost really symbolic. And so as we were walking... Um, I asked, like, how long is this going to take, you know, in anticipation, because I hadn't really been exercising much. So I was a bit nervous if I would be able to make the, the long walk. And I was told, no, man, you'll be fine, you know. So I kept my pace at the back. As usual, I'm, I'm surrounded by men. <laughs> um, so they obviously have a lot more strength and stamina than I do. So they were walking up ahead and I was right at the back, um, just <laughs> own race, own pace, you know, taking my time, baby steps, easy does it. And at the beginning, my brother was like zooming past, you know, just whipping through the trees and running and sprinting and just, you know, 
And I remember just telling him, no, preserve your energy. Don't use up all your energy right now, you know, because we don't know how far this this place is. And obviously, like, <laughs> he probably just thought I was trying to parent him or whatever. So he didn't listen and he just carried on going. And there was a point where um, everyone that we were walking with was like so far ahead. I couldn't even see them. And all I had was like the path and the fresh footsteps. So I was following that and just taking my time. And I get up and my brother's sitting on a rock. And he's like panting heavily. And I'm just like, what's going on? Are you okay? And he says he's not okay. He says he's out of breath. And he's tired. And he, he's just, he can't, he can't carry on. Now at this point, two things are going through my mind. The first thing is, I told you, don't do this, you know. Like, you look, you've used up all your energy. And the second thing was to just help him. And... I'm glad that the second thought was more dominant because I asked him what he needed and he said he needed some water and I give him some water but as as he was drinking it he was like trying to gulp it all down and I'm trying to tell him not to gulp it down because you know you don't want to upset your stomach because you're still gonna have to walk you know and obviously he still didn't listen to me and he gulped it down anyways and nausea kicked in and he was just not feeling well bear in mind we're halfway through the mountain and i asked him what he wanted to do i was like do you want to come up with us or do you want to stay here and he said he wanted to come up with us and i'm like okay and then i need you to take it slowly i need you to take it easy and I know he got a little bit snappy with me because I was trying to be a little bit too positive. Well, in his eyes. Um, and in that moment, I prayed. I prayed for him. I prayed to God, asking the Lord to remove the nausea. And for the Lord to renew his strength so that he could at least make it to the cross. It was a short prayer, it wasn't glamorous or anything, but it was just, I was pleading because, you know, when you start something with a group of people, you, you don't want to, you don't want people left behind. And eventually he mustered up the strength to stand up in a moment where he literally just wanted to quit and he wanted to go back. He, God gave him the strength to stand up. And when I say that boy walked and made it all the way to the cross. When I got there, I literally, I was so thankful. I was like, wow. Wow. The Lord answered the smallest of prayer. Well, to me, it was small. Oh, to me, it wasn't small in that moment. But in the grand scheme of things, it seems so small. But but God answered it and he heard me in that moment and he heard me pleading for my brother and Sandy actually had the strength to get up that mountain when he was literally panting and heaving and nauseous to the point that he wanted to throw up. He didn't even throw up. 
needless to say we were so thankful when we got up there we shared verses with each other we prayed and it was it was one of the most beautiful sabbaths i've ever had and it just put a lot of things in perspective for me right things like us thinking that when we pray we should be telling god what to do lord fix my problem but do it like this and then when things go wrong we pray in anger or frustration or in bitterness I know this because it's a path that I've walked myself. And every time I find myself at the word of God, I realize that God is omniscient. He knows everything. I don't know everything. And whenever I experience things that make me feel like I can't carry on anymore and I'm blaming God or frustrated, you know, or angry and it's just like why? Why is this happening to me? If ever you're in that moment, you need to remember that God knows everything he sees it from beginning to end and the god who knows everything knows why it has to be like this he knows why we don't have all the things that we want he knows why we don't have all the people that we love he knows why we aren't where we want to be in life and the truth is that if we had all the knowledge and information that god has we would literally make the exact same decision so all we have to do is to trust him i'm saying this because there is power in prayer The battle is won on your knees guys. Get on your knees and pray. When you can't stand what the world is throwing at you anymore, you need to get on your knees. Kneel. When you cannot stand it anymore, kneel. Kneel before his glory. Kneel before him because what else can you do? What else can you do in front of a God so holy? A God so separate from his creation. He is separate from us. He is he is not like us. In his honesty, in his holiness, in his love, in his faithfulness. The God who promised Noah almost 4000 years ago that um that the sun would never give up her position neither the moon he will never send a flood to overtake the whole earth like that 
and that the seasons would remain faithful. God has kept his end of the bargain. And yet, we're not faithful. His creation rebels against him every second of the day. Oh Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord. We sin against a God so holy every single day. And this holy God sees fit to give us breath. He sees fit to give us life. He sees fit to put food in our stomachs. To give us shelter and clothing. You realize that. We come into this earth with nothing and we're going to get out of this world with nothing. We take nothing out. So why do we spend most of our time trying to acquire things that we can't even take with us? Why do we try to garner reputations and fame and attention from people that we cannot even take with us? I wish we'd all understand that life is about a relationship with God. That's what the word says. And this is eternal life. That they may know him. The only true God. This is eternal life. To know God and to know that You have your own relationship with him. You can have your own relationship with him through Jesus Christ who paved the way by dying on that cross and spilling his blood so that we can be reconciled to God the Father once more. We have access to this life that never ends. We have access to this water that that never runs dry. I pray that we may not squander this opportunity. Matthew chapter 11 verses 15 to 17. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We mourned for you, and you did not lament. What does this mean? We've shared the good news, and you have not danced. We have shared the message of repentance, and and you've not lamented. You see, guys... Jesus' words 2,000 years ago are still true today. People just don't care. And if you truly understood just how fragile life is, you'd understand that 
There is no life outside of Jesus. And this, and this generation just keeps sidelining the Bible. And as much as I wish I could help each and every single one of you, as much as I wish I could get you to see, to live out what the Bible is saying, I realize now that all I can do is play the flute. You have to respond. You have to make it your own. You have to answer the call. And sadly, most of us don't. Like the Jews of old, we've become indifferent. Indifferent to the fact that Jesus came onto this earth and died on a cross. The, the word says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and he dwelt among us. He was here. And he died being the perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. People are indifferent to the fact that he was buried and he was, he literally rose again. Who else can do that? He proved that he was God. And people are so indifferent to the fact that he made a way for us to commune with God and have eternal life. You know, there's this saying that you can't say that God is tired or God is silent if your Bible is closed. We have access to this word. But the thing is that Jesus is looking for followers who realize that they are sinners and that they need a savior. Those are the terms. And I can't change them. I can't make it any easier for you. God can't make it any easier for you. In fact, it's actually rigged in, in your favor. If you believe. He lived the perfect life. He died to pay the price. And he rose again. So that you might have life. You literally. Don't even have to lift a finger. You have to believe. You have to apply your heart and your mind. To the word. Those are the terms. You're either playing the flute or the flute is being played to you. In other words, you are either sharing the good news of Jesus Christ or you need someone to share it with you. I know what I want to do, guys. I want to play the flute. I want to tell as many people as I can tell that Jesus is God. And he is coming again sooner than we realize. So 
sooner than we realize he is coming again the lord is not slack concerning his promise what others count as slackness but he doesn't wish for anyone to perish you know during the time of the flood just before the flood came there was a man and like if you look up methuselah's name and um translate it it literally means when he dies judgment will come and if you read through the book of genesis and you read through the genealogy you see that methuselah was the oldest man to ever walk on this earth you're probably thinking what does that have to do with jesus coming soon I need you guys to pay attention. When Methuselah was born, God predicted that when he died, judgment would come. And when Methuselah died, the flood came in the same year. Right? Methuselah being the oldest man to ever live is a testimony of God's mercy and his grace towards us because it means that he kept him alive so that if just one more person could commit themselves to them to him and get on the boat get on the ark they would be saved Imagine on that time they didn't even have to sacrifice anything. All they had to do was physically walk into a boat. That's all they had to do. But no. People were indifferent. And in this generation, all we have to do is get on the boat. The boat is Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, uh, uh. I can't be any more plain than this. The boat is Jesus. You have to get on board. There is no more time anymore. There is no more time anymore. Get on the boat. And the thing that's so unfortunate is that God gave them everything that they needed. He preached. Noah preached for a hundred and twenty years before he got on the boat. Jesus was walking on this earth two thousand years ago. Guys, do you realize that we don't have much time anymore? There is no more time. There is no more time to think we could we can focus on the God stuff later. There is no later. There is only now. Get on the boat now. Commit your life to Jesus now. Believe in his word now. Live for him and him alone now. There is no more time.
Because when Methuselah dies and Noah's family gets on the boat, the door is closed. And from that point on, there's no one who can save you. You see, guys, the thing is, sometimes the devil allows us to live a life that's free of trouble because he doesn't want us turning to God. You see, sin sin is like a jail cell, okay? Except it's so nice and comfortable because you're fulfilling all the lusts of the flesh. It's what your body wants to do, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be a need to leave. There's no, why would you leave when it's so comfortable? And the door is wide open till one day time runs out. And the cell door slams shut and suddenly it's too late. Guys, Jesus is your get out of jail free card. Get out. Turn to him while you still have the opportunity. There is not much time anymore. Time is running out. And when, oh Lord, have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Father, forgive us. Forgive us. We commit our hearts, our minds, our bodies to you once more. Knowing that you're the only one who can save us from ourselves, save us from death. First Peter 1 verses 9 says that the reward for trusting in him will be the salvation of of your souls. First Corinthians 1 verses 8 says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Guys, I'm telling you today that you don't want to die for your own sins. I'm telling you today that that price has been paid. Why would you want to pay for something when it's already been paid? You don't have to die for your own sins. But you need to get on the boat. You need to get in the ark. It's not safe outside. There is no life. There is no life. I just want to end off by saying, actually by sharing something that someone shared with me. And um, I think it's very profound. If you've tuned into the episode about the sanctity of life, um, you might hear a few things that um, 
like a, a few themes that are the same. In Egypt, in the book of Exodus, before the deliverer came, there was a mass death, a mass genocide against children, against babies. And Moses was delivered. Even so, in the time of Christ, when he was born, there was a mass genocide against babies. And yet Christ prevailed. And I would advise you to look around today. Do you see the mass genocide against the babies? Every day babies are being killed. Life is being taken out of this earth. This is a sign of the times. Even Jesus says you you can look at the weather and you can predict what it's going to be. But you don't know when your day of visitation has come. The word tells us what the signs are. And I'm telling you today that there is no more time anymore. The time is now. Get on the ark now. Commit to God now. There is no time. But we know that even through all the pain and the suffering that we face on this side of heaven, God has conquered it already. The battle is already won. The thing is, God is in eternity. We just need to catch up with him. (laughs) We just need to catch up with him. And also, we need to see how evil, evil really is. Because when we cross the river Jordan, and the angels sing, these are they who have come out of great tribulation, We're going to understand why it's so important to be obedient to the word of God. So that whenever there is another tree put in front of us and God says, don't eat of that. We will know better because we will know the great tribulation that we have just come out of. Folks, we are saved by grace alone. By faith alone. In Christ alone. I pray that you may rededicate your life to Christ. I pray that you may tell another person how urgent and how important this is. Because there is no more time. The reapers are coming. Let's bow our heads and pray. 
Our gracious and heavenly Father, we pray for your mercy over us, Father. Mercy is that we do not deserve, but because of who you are, we are not consumed. We stand before your presence at this moment, thanking you. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We commit our lives to you once more. Fill us with your spirit that when we go out into the world, we may be a light. We may be salt unto the earth, Father. That when people see our good works, they wonder what it is that keeps us going. Give us more opportunities to talk about you, Father, to share your word, your life, and your light. That people may be converted to you. In your mighty name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.